Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. I have a confession to make that there is something that may, many will consider slightly peculiar about me. Actually, lots of you are going, there's loads of things that are peculiar about you. But the particular thing that I have in mind is that I like to own the music that I listen to. I, I am not on Spotify and I can't get used to streaming. I like to purchase the music that I listen to. So I have a lot of CDs. Here's a CD uh, that I got last week. I have a, a, when I've got time off, I enjoy going around secondhand shops and buying CDs. And if I want to buy new music, I will often buy buy the track from uh, iTunes, other providers are available, but I'll download it and I'll own it and it's on my computer. And I've been trying to work out why owning something is so important to me. I like to, and I don't think this is a good thing, by the way, I'm not, I'm not promoting it, I'm confessing it. There's something about me being able to say, I own that song, I own that music. I, I kind of like that feeling. When I was uh, younger, I collected uh, vinyl, and I particularly collected uh, singles, 45s. I've got a stack in my loft, and then I uh, digitalized them all uh, some years ago. I love music, and I love the concept of ownership. There's something about saying, this belongs to me, that appeals to me. Um, perhaps, uh, perhaps you can explain it to me sometime. Anyway, we're going to think a little bit about being owned and whether that's a good or a bad thing for someone to own us. What does that mean? We, in an exciting move, have got through John chapter 12 and into John 13. John 12, there's a little verse I want to draw your attention to because it sets up chapter 13. Jesus has said that the hour has come for him to be glorified. This is the moment at which he is going to do the final revelation of who he is in God. And we know that that is going to be the crucifixion. So let's pick it up in John chapter 13 and verse 1. And lest you get overexcited, we're only going to do verse 1 at this point. It was just before the Passover. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end or to the full extent. He knew what was about to happen. We're going to pick that up in our next study, uh, what Jesus knew. But he knew what was about to happen, and now he's going to reveal his love, his uh, full extent of his love, loving to the very end. I'm going to ask three questions. Who were his own that he loved? It says he loved his own. Well, who were his own? What does it mean to belong or to be owned by Jesus? And what was loving to the end? Firstly, then, who were his own? We're going to go look back and look at the beginning of John's gospel. And uh, there are two major ideas as to who Jesus meant when he talks about his own or who John means when he talks about uh, Jesus having his own. And the first idea is that it's all of humanity, all of creation. This comes from John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 10, 11 and 12. In verse 10, we read these words. He was in the world, meaning Jesus. This is John talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to that who were his own, but his own did not receive him. 
So the view that I tend to lean towards is that his own were the whole of the world, as in verse 10, or everybody that he made, and he came to them, but they did not receive him. The alternative view is that verse 11 is talking about a different group of people to verse 10. So it's not talking about the world. It's talking about God's chosen people, the Jewish nation, and that it was the Jewish nation that did not receive him, and it was the Jewish nation who were his own. And that's a perfectly reasonable explanation. But the reason I lean towards the idea that it was all he had made, rather than simply those who claimed to follow him, is that the, the next verse, verse 12 says, but to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, that verse doesn't, we believe, just apply to the Jewish race. Otherwise, you and I, if we're Gentiles, are not able to be called children of God. We believe that relates to all who are in the world who receive Jesus. So for that reason, I think his own is primarily all of, all of humanity, that he made human beings and he's the father of all mankind, that all mankind is made in his image and he sees them as his own. Now, the, the Jewish nation were a special uh, people who were called to fulfill his function and purpose. And if we go a little bit further into John uh, chapter, uh, um, uh, sorry, John chapter 10, we pick up this idea that the sheep uh, follow their shepherd. And it's, he uses the second place where he talks about people being his own. He says, the sheep listened to his voice, Jesus being the good shepherd. He calls his own sheep, there's that phrase, by name and leads them out. Now, does that simply apply to the, the people of God or does he call everyone by name? Um, again, we might take our different views, but certainly those who listen to his voice are definitely called his own. Where does that leave us? I want to just summarize it one very simple statement that when we ask the question, who were his own, that you and I are included in that. We belong to Jesus. He sees us as his own, whether that's because we follow him or whether that's because we're simply uh, made as human beings. Uh, the, 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 either way, we come to the same conclusion that you and I, are owned and belong to Jesus. So what does that mean? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? I want to suggest it's a wonderful thing and give you a few reasons why. The first thing is this, that those who are owned and belong to Jesus were created purposefully. We are not accidental. Um, there is a reason for us having breath and life. There is a reason for us living at this time in this place with the skills and characteristics that we have. We have been created purposefully. He owns us and he has a mission. He has good works prepared in advance for us to do. When before the beginning of creation, he saw us and he knew what he wanted us to do with our lives. We are owned and belong to the purposes, the mission, the plans of God. We are created purposefully. Secondly, those who belong to Jesus are known intimately. We, he hasn't, we haven't just turned up in his family and he thinks, oh, what's the name of that kid over there with the big nose and the funny hair? Oh, it's Donald. No, he knows us. He's called us. Uh, he understands who we are. He understands our fears. He understands our hopes. He understands our passions. He understands our mistakes. He understands our weakness. He knows us intimately. And the third element 
of belonging to Jesus, of being his own, is that we are cared for jealously. There is a sense in which he wants to look after us, put his arms right around us and gather him to himself. We are his and we matter to him. And he cares for us in such that he doesn't want us to be lost or to stray or to fall away. Indeed, one of the key things for me about understanding what Jesus is about is he comes to seek and to save the lost. Why is he so passionate and looking for the lost? Because they are his own. They are like the shepherd who has lost that one sheep. The sheep that he's lost is one of his own. And so he goes out to look for it. And there is this sense, and, and, and the Bible uses this word of jealousy, that God uh, is passionate to protect us and have us for his own. He doesn't want us to wander off and follow another shepherd. He doesn't want us to follow other idols or other God. He doesn't want us to be lost in, in a purpose, purposelessness life, a life without purpose. And fourthly, when we are owned, we are loved totally. And uh, it's not that God has, uh, it's not the hired hand if we go back to the metaphors of John chapter 10. No, we, we belong to him. We are his children and he loves us totally. Our value is beyond measure because we're his. And uh, if you've ever uh, had to look after somebody else's children or animals or house or whatever it is, there is a sense of responsibility that we feel, but it's not the same as if it is ours. We care far more deeply for what is ours. And we belong to Jesus. And he loves us totally. Which leads us on to this uh, part of the verse where he says, and he loved them to the end. He loved them as far as he could. He loved them right to the very limits of his ability. Donald Coggan said, God loves us in our sin and through our sin and goes on looking for a response. So what was loving to the end? It was love without giving up. He loves us to the very point of rejection, of humiliation, of pain, of death. He loves us all the way, despite the encouragement and the, the ridicule to give up. He does not give up on us. He does not give up on us. He will not stop loving us. He loves us right to the very end. And it is an action beyond the feeling. It isn't that he carried on feeling love. He carried on acting out love, despite our unworthiness. He loves us even though we are sinful. He loved us before we responded to him. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. His love for us is not dependent on our response. It's not dependent on whether we acquiesce or, or whether we um, turn to him. He loves his own to the full extent and he's going to reveal that now. He loves humanity. He loves the lost. He loves you and I. And he loves with every part of himself. He gives up his body. He gives up his nature. He gives up his, his, his role. He comes from heaven and takes on humanity, takes on flesh and... Um, lays aside his majesty, 
because he loves us. It's a total commitment to us as he lays down his life for us. Jürgen Moltmann says these words, the ultimate reason for our hope is not found at all in what we want, wish for, and wait for. The ultimate reason is that we are wanted and wished for and waited for. There is someone who is waiting for you, who is hoping for you, who believes in you. We are waited for as the prodigal son in the parable is waited for by his father. We are accepted and received as a mother takes her children into her arms and comforts them. God is our last hope because we are God's first love. We are his own and he loves us fully. So some questions for us to reflect on. What difference does being owned and loved by Jesus make to our self-esteem? The way we perceive ourselves, the way we consider our identity, the way we look and, and treat ourselves. We're Jesus's. We're his possession. He's died for us. And he's loved us as to the maximum possible. And how does this affect our agenda for today? What we want to achieve and purpose with our life. What we want from life this week. What we're going to do with our time. How we're going to do our work. How we're going to carry out our relationships. How we're going to spend our money. What difference does it make that we are owned by Jesus and he calls us his own? I don't know I'm pretty sure that CDs don't have a feeling. But there's something I feel in being owned by Jesus, which is a sense of well-being. It's a sense of security. And it's a sense of value. Let's pray together. Lord, will you continue to reveal your love We thank you that you loved us to the full extent. You showed it on the cross. You went as far as is humanly and divinely possible to love us. That we might be called yours. That we might follow your voice. That we might belong to you. And we thank you for that privilege. Help us to live in the light of your love. To value who we are and to serve the purposes that you've called us for. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.